Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Imagine a sharp, stabbing pain on your skin. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful, blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far And you don't need a passport, which honestly, I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. So there was a bit, there was a massive Dolce, there was a massive Dolce Gabbana photo shoot in Portofino, Italy. Um, and also I think there was a wedding. We have to talk about the Kardashian Dolce Gabbana campaign um, that also happened to be a wedding. Um, so the Kardashians shot a Dolce Gabbana worldwide campaign in Italy. Um, and also Kourtney Kardashian got married. Um, it was such an amazing display of love between the two of them. I mean, it's crazy. Cause I talked to Paul about it because obviously if Paul and I wanted to get married on television, we would have that opportunity. And Paul said for $10 million, I would not get married on television. He said, I would not make my wedding public for $10 million. I, I didn't even ask him about 20. I think he'd say no. He said, my life would change forever. And I, the, you know, when is enough enough? And it's funny because I was thinking about the fact that this, this wedding Dolce campaign extravaganza was beautiful. Everybody looked amazing and head to toe, even the kids, like, would there be a breach of contract? If, if, if like, is that why maybe Rob, 
didn't come because he wasn't willing to wear Dolce Gabbana and like he would have broken the Kardashian contract starting with a K. The new contract should start with a K from now on. I think contracts should start with a K. But like every single, I think the Kardashian dogs were there wearing Dolce Gabbana collars. I mean, it was a full-fledged Dolce Gabbana like literally Dolce Gabbana jerked off all over the, the, the Kardashian wedding. Um, and I was, and, but by the way, they looked so happy and it was amazing. And I think, I mean, I love that she did what she wanted. She wore what she wanted that dress, you know, it was like a lingerie dress and with a veil of the Virgin Mary, that veil was gorgeous. Chris Jenner looked amazing. And like the picture with the veil that was like up on all those stairs was amazing. And, there was a video somewhere of like Kendall, like trying to walk in flats up these crazy stairs in this dress. And I mean, it looks like they had a great time and they are an, like a, they're a family, you know, it was like a family dynamic. The song sister sledge was playing on a video. Like we are family. I got all my sisters with me, which was amazing. Um, but I was talking to Paul about it and I was, he was saying, wow, like what, there are no limits. Like when, is enough enough. Like they, they can't stop. It's just more is more. Get every fucking nickel off that floor. We're not leaving a goddamn cent, not a cent in the joint. We are going to fucking strip this place. This country will be stripped of every goddamn penny, nickel, you know, subway token, drachma, any currency that starts with a K is fucking coming into our bank accounts every which way but Sunday. Brands that trashed us a couple of years ago, owning them. Events that trashed us several years ago wouldn't invite us, taking them over. We, it's a fucking smash and grab job and we are taking no prisoners. It is called, it's the Kardashian country that starts with a K and we're fucking running this motherfucker because they are not playing any games. It's the not fucking around crew. Get the fuck out of the way. And while you're getting the fuck out of the way, pay us to get the fuck out of the way. Also, like, I've been, I've gotten married on television. Like, I've experienced it. I've planned a wedding on television. I've, you know, there are cameras. It does make the experience different. It's not as intimate. It's, strange for other people that are, you know, in attendance. It's definitely different. There's definitely a sacrifice. So I wonder, and it, it's not as intimate, like it is, but how do I explain it? It's like, there's all this excitement that is about the actual event that's happening in your life, but it's layered and there's more excitement because there are cameras and an audience. And there's an audience in that room. That's also aware that there are cameras. So it's like, you're sort of in this weird world where there are cameras on you, but there's an audience beyond the cameras, the people that the cameras aren't really capturing because they don't really care about those other people that are at your wedding. So they're sort of like extras. They're extras. You're the stars in the movie. There are cameras and they're extras watching you be in this scene. And it's definitely different. And then you're also aware that there's an audience that's people watching television around the country and the world that are watching this and the Kardashians have a bigger stage. And then there's an audience that are watching in the media. So there's no way that you're walking and eating an ice cream cone and you're not aware, you're not dumb. You've been doing this for 20 seasons. You're aware that that's something that you're in a role doing. The ice cream cone is a prop, you know, meaning like, you know, that that's like, grab the ice cream cone, roll film. Like, so can something be as intimate? Can something be 
even if you've lived your whole life this way, like, are there any private moments, you know, like, are there moments that, because it's hard to be present. I've experienced it. I have a hard time being present, you know, going to an event with my fiance that just involves me taking some pictures. I feel self-conscious. If I bring Bryn to the iHeart radio awards and it's 20 minutes on a red carpet, I feel self-conscious that there are cameras and I'm being photographed. When I walk down the street, if there's a, someone who takes a picture and they want to take a picture of me and they less want to get a picture of her, let me get a picture alone, I feel self-conscious. There's no way that these dynamics don't happen in these grander schemes because they're so much bigger than what I've experienced. So I have, but I have some institutional knowledge and it just, it does take away from the actual emotion of the moment and the authenticity of the moment and the intimacy of the moment. There's, it's an absolute fact that that moment is, is changed and that there's something about it that is for an audience. So that's interesting, you know, and that's something that Paul, my fiance would never subscribe to. And I mean, never. So, uh, it's interesting. You have to be with someone who wants to roll with that program. Travis Barker wants to roll with that program. And Tristan Thompson and Kanye wanted to roll with that program. Like you can't, you can't run that life and not want to roll with that hair and makeup produced filter program. A lot of you have asked me for my take on the Netflix series, Bad Vegan. And not only did I watch Bad Vegan, but I had the bad vegan herself, Sarma Melngalis, on my podcast. She's been called the vegan Bernie Madoff, but is she? Sarma's coming on, and this was a controversial show. I happen to have been to the restaurant. I happen to know Jeffrey Chatterer. I happen to have met Sarma and her ex-husband. So when I saw this documentary, I was shocked because I knew some of the people, which had happened with the Tinder swindler doc, too. I had met that freak one time at a party and had his business card, the diamond guy or the so-called diamond guy. So sometimes I'll see something and say, wait a second, I know some of those people. I ate that lasagna. I, wow. So I wanted to have her on because this involves so many elements, so many things in this recipe, so many things in this raw foods recipe, abuse, mental abuse, psychological abuse, uh, swindling stealing money, not paying people, like so many accusations, gambling, addiction, you know, cult-like tactics. I wanted to have Sarma on. I want to hear her take. There's so much to this that I really want to dig into this. And this is a very different interview than any interview that I've ever done. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Years ago, so I lived in Chicago, and for about a year, I was I I was raw, long before it was popular. I was a natural food chef in you know yep. before nine eleven. So, um, and there was a woman named Karen, uh, K A R Y N, that had a cafe, and she was raw, and she had studied with Ann Wigmore and about all the wheatgrass and all this like really what was really extreme, particularly in Chicago. So I've met Giuliano, the raw chef, and like a lot of those other alternative people through that world. And I've seen in New York all the different raw food cafes that were really, really edgy. Um, So I was aware of Matthew even before you guys opened Pure and One Lucky Duck. He was doing something with Russell Simmons for his Jiva Mukti cafes. And we connected and I had wheat, egg, and dairy cookies, wheat, egg, and dairy free cookies so I was baking them for him in conjunction with this cafe. And then he started to do something else. I don't remember what that was. But then I remember hearing about pure food and wine and going and the zucchini, famous zucchini lasagna. And then going to see the place in Chelsea Market, One Lucky Duck, with those like mm-hmm. spiced cashews and that stuff. And, and, and I met you there, not knowing any of this stuff, like which hadn't happened yet. But I met you. I saw you were in the store. So... Mm-hmm. So I say this whole story for the listeners and for you because 
A, I have no idea if you're aware of me, but I didn't know about any of this. I'm not like, I'm, I'm sort of in my own world in many cases. So I didn't know about any of this until people started saying, you need to see the show. I want to hear your comment on Bad Vegan. Still didn't even know that you were that person. Then someone right. who works with me said it too. Then like watched it, looked it up. I'm like, I know her. I know him. I know Jeffrey Chattero. I know all these people. Like, I know. So that was crazy. So that's like where I came into it from. And I watched mm-hmm. the Netflix special and then had my opinion, which we'll get into, and then reached out to you. So I don't know what you know about all that, but that was like shocking to me. I did, I did listen to, um, I went and looked at your podcast and I saw um, a couple of them had mentioned Bad Vegan. So I went and listened to that. And then, um, and then I had forgotten that you knew Matthew from way back, which was kind of reassuring to me because um, he's, um, yeah, I think you said a few things that indicated that you kind of know things about him that a lot of people don't necessarily know. And so I kind of stepped into a situation with him that had some similarities to the one I then later stepped into with the, you know, the guy in the, in the film. Um, So to let the viewers, the listeners know this guy, Matthew, a good looking, healthy chef talk mm -hmm. of the town. I'm just, you know, I met him. And we were going to, I was going to bake my weed, egg and dairy free cookies for him. I was running a natural food cafe. He was like all over the place. I don't, I remember him not like paying me or it not being what he said it was going to be. It didn't seem like he was a bad person. It seemed like he was all over the place and moving from one thing to the next and getting new partner to start a new exciting thing. And then a new partner to do this. And he's very charming and he meets a lot of different people and he's always on to another thing is what it seems like. And I think he's talented because I've seen him open these new restaurants and the vegan Mexican and the vegan Italian and all these places in New York. And then there's something in Miami, but then it's gone. Then there's something in New York. So he's done a good job of moving in a lot of circles. And I don't know where anything lands, but that was my perspective. And then seeing that you guys were together and then go into your cafe. Yeah. Well, he and I got involved um, before either of us even knew what raw food was. And so I got involved in his restaurants and, and then also sort of taken down as they all closed. Um, so that was a bummer for me, uh, you know, that left me with some negative consequences that were ongoing um, financially, you know, after we split. So, and then, you know, and then we opened Pure Food and Wine together and then we split a year later. Um, and then, yeah, from there on, I continued running it on my own. Okay, so I watched Bad Vegan and I commented that it felt like you were in a one person cult and mm-hmm. um, I watched with my fiance and many people were very skeptical and thought you were part of it, etc. I didn't really think about that because it seemed very convoluted. Like that would have been a really big, complicated trip to go on. I don't mean your road trip. I mean like right. to go on, to be involved. It seems like. Well, and for what benefit? <laughs> yeah. I, it seems like you just got like, immersed and enveloped in this thing and it went deeper and deeper and it does feel like a ponzi scheme in the sense that you were deeper and deeper and i'm sure you knew something was wrong but i don't think you knew exactly what was wrong and i don't think you knew how to get out and i think that it might also have had something to do with your previous relationships i really need to hear from you 
what went down. Like about that, there's the relationship and getting in so deep when you see the numbers. So w- what went down? Well, I think I heard you say that in a in another podcast as well, and that is entirely correct. The the cult of one dynamic, because um, you know, on the other side of this, people who've been in cults and gotten out, those are like my people. We understand each other, and there are so many similarities between um, this guy and other cult leaders. So, you know, those people have a lot of similarities and then the tactics that they use to pull people in are um, pretty much almost the same. So when I part, a lot of my healing involved hearing the stories of people who'd been in cults. Um, I'm friends with Sarah Edmondson from Nexium, So that whole situation with mm-hmm. Green Area, I've, I've paid a lot of attention to that. And the people coming out of it, talking about, um, you know, the realizations they've had, because what, what happens is on the other side of it, everybody's going, I don't understand. How could you not see it? How come you didn't run? How come? And there, and what happened, and the same thing happens to people who are in cults because it seems insane and people don't understand how come you didn't run? How come you didn't call the police? And, and the problem is that on the other side of it, we all have the very same questions. Like I, you know, we come out of it having the same questions. Like, I don't wait, why didn't I run? You know, and what happens is, um, which I think that it would help if more people understood this so they could hopefully avoid it. But, um, you know, is, is the extent to which your mind gets manipulated, I think is underestimated. And then in particular, there's, uh, assumption that if you're a smart, intelligent person, you couldn't be manipulated. And people say that all the, they say, oh, well, that would never happen to me. Or they say that or think that, um, but it could, I mean, there's certainly, certain personality types that are far more susceptible. And I'm definitely one of those, but intelligence has absolutely nothing to do with it. And in fact, like, um, you know, successful people, I mean, this has happened to a number, a a ton of women who've been successful and have built something and created something and then have it, you know, taken down and um, in this sort of fiery crash. And in my case, in a way that made it look like I had done it. so yeah, I mean, not only was everything destroyed and I felt horrifically awful about it and you know, all these people were hurt and everything I'd spent all these years building and creating um, was gone, but all these people I cared for were hurt. And then layer on top of that, that it, it was made to look like it was my, my fault or I, intentional in some way, which doesn't really make sense to me, but I can understand, you know, people being angry at me for not having seen what was going on or um I, I mean I can understand that that part of it but thinking that there was some malice on my part um doesn't really make any sense whatsoever with the facts of the situation um and I think that you know I've been very public about the way the film was presented. And I wrote a lot of stuff on my website, clarifying all these questions that people had and the incorrect, the things that were portrayed um, incorrectly. So I kind of wrote all this stuff, put it out there, it's there. Um, And I've been pleased that at least uh, some people, they have gone and, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of messages from people who say, I watched it, I was confused at the end you know, I'm really glad I found your website and read, you know, read what happened. And now I understand better. So, um, 
Yeah. And now I'm still kind of trying to come out there and be, talk about it in a way that's helpful for people. Okay. So I want to break down a few things. First of all, I'm not a gotcha person. I'm not like bringing people on here. I've been on shows Mm -hmm. or someone tries to like catch me in something and I'm not doing that, but I'm not going to just, you know, I've, I've got to, I'm speaking for people and myself and I want to like break this down because there are always multiple sides and I'm I'm sure you're going to take some responsibility for this because you're not just a victim of something that happened. You definitely participated in some way. I imagine, I don't mean like ripping people off per se. I just mean, we all have to accept some level of responsibility for the situations that we're in, I think. I think, and you may correct me. So as far as the dynamic with the person, when, when you say it could happen to anybody, do you feel that there's an element where you get together in the beginning and it feels great and you feel loved or you feel connected and then you're constantly chasing the dragon to get back to that? Like that's how it keeps going. First, it's amazing and you fall for that. And then something isn't great, but then something great happens and you keep going back and then you get deeper and deeper. Like, what about that element of just people who get sucked into someone else's vortex? It has happened to me. It wasn't necessarily someone who was abusing me by any means or um, it wasn't someone who abused me, but it was something where there was no reason I would stay in this situation. And I kept staying in it because I kept thinking like I was imagining it or that it would get better because I was going back to some stuff from the beginning. And also what was going on in my own life was I was feeling alone and it was the only thing that I really had going. And sometimes as you're older, you don't really want to go look for something or be alone. And mm-hmm. so it's the most familiar thing to you. So I want to talk about that aspect of just the interpersonal getting like staying with something that is obviously unhealthy forgetting cult or anything like that just that that dynamic yeah i mean it, it's all related um in my case i think it's very very common that there's this period of time that people call love bombing in what's being termed narcissistic abuse type relationships um and that wasn't really the case in my situation um you know, it was a bit more complicated than that, but whatever, you know, what happened happened so gradually over a long period of time. And what's shocking to me, um, when I've gone back and read the correspondence that I was able to retrieve, which is only some of it, not all of it. Um, and he had tried to delete everything. So he, you know, he tried to like wipe out all the, Mm -hmm. you know, evidence of everything, which is pretty telling. And I'm trying to recover it all. Um, but looking back at it, and reading all of it was, you know, it's me trying to figure out what's happening. And what was shocking is how many times, uh, I mean, I did remember this, the number of times in the beginning that I tried to push him out and get rid of him. And then one way or another, he would kind of get back in. And charming? One of, By charming you in some way? It was less charming and more like sometimes circumstantial. And then also, um, I don't remember exactly the timing of it, but once he got me to give him money, you know, uh, claiming of like some kind of insane emergency and he needed it right away. And so if you're kind of a kind, generous person and you're not, you're not by nature suspicious, um, you know, so I, I was able to give him some money, but then that was like the hook that uh-huh. in the, there were times in the future where he would say, um, well, I'm going to bring you money. I'm going to come, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to bring you money. And then I'd be like, oh, okay. And so he'd come, you know, see me over the weekend and maybe he'd bring me some money, but not what he said it was. And it wasn't, you know, even half of what I had loaned him. And 
but then he'd be in front of me. And for some reason, whenever I was in his presence, it was a lot harder to, um, it was as if he had more power when we were, when he was in front of me in ways that I don't, you know, that I still don't quite fully understand. So, so, so the, but the hook being, you said circumstantial, that makes some sense. If you disconnect from him, you're not going to get the rest of the money. And when you say circumstantial, did he often say he's, he's it seemed like he was going to solve certain problems for you. You got, I, I'll handle this for you. And you, you sort of like had these false hopes of these different things that he was promising you. So that was another hook. Is that, is that accurate or no? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that I heard described something that made so much sense to me and sort of answered, a, you know, an open question that I had was um, a guy named Mark Vicente, who was in the Nexium cult. And he's in that, um, that documentary, the HBO, mm-hmm. The Vow. And he, they, in a podcast with Sarah and, and Nippy, who are also in it, they were talking about, um, you know, because that guy, Keith Raniere, is really goofy. And, and people look at him and think, how could everybody have, sort yes. of, you know, worshipped him as if he was some kind of a god? And, and how could they believe that, you know, these outlandish claims he made about himself being, you know, the smartest person in the world and all these ridiculous claims looking back. And something that Mark said that made so much sense to me was, um, and I'm completely paraphrasing and I probably should have, I, I wrote it all down somewhere, but that it's what they do is they find, they, they find a way of presenting you with like your idealized self. So all your kind of hopes and dreams and, and who you really want to be. And in my case, it was, um, I wanted to be independent and able to grow my business and, you know, and do good things and build this brand and be independent and free. And that's kind of what he, um, not necessarily directly, but that's kind of what he got me attached to was as if he could enable me, he could get me there or he could deliver that. Um, and, and things were never stated explicitly. So it was always kind of very vague, but it's like, that's what I got attached to. Cause I never understood people would say to me like, well, you, you know, you, you know, the things you do for love or, and I was like, it's not quite, that's not right. It's not like I might've in some way felt like I, I loved him, especially early on, but you know, even in the beginning, I, it, you know, from what I read in our correspondence and what I remember, I mean, I was afraid of him. I, I didn't, you know, even the first time he saw me after that, the first time I saw him in person after that, I was like, oh yeah, I, pr- I probably shouldn't, you know, he's not really what I thought he was going to be. I, I shouldn't see him again. So it wasn't like this love attachment. And I think what happened was, um, you know, what people like him are extremely good at, which is dangerous, is reading people and very, very quickly understanding precisely what are your buttons? What are your weaknesses? What are your hopes and dreams? What can he, you know, he would know exactly what types of things to say in, you know, subtly that would get me unconsciously attached or hooked. Well, so that's because that's, very- that's what they do. So I guess if right. we're not realizing that someone, it's much easier to be scammed. I mean, if a person, if they are the scammer and that's what they do and you have no idea it's coming, you're just wide open as a human being. And that's why many of us get less trusting. But it's funny that you brought up the the guy from Nexium too, Keith, because I call it with women um, in non, non-cult leaders. I mean, I call them trick guys, men who seem, they're not that good looking. They're not like that big stud. 
And so you think they're going to be safe because what the hell, you know, they can't get, they can't get anyone. They're going to be loyal to you. They're not that attractive. They're sort of dorky. So, Mm -hmm. but they can be very dangerous because they probably have a lot of insecurities from not being the best looking person, the best looking man. And, you know, now they have something to prove in life. Yeah. I I think that, um, all of, all of what you said is, is correct. I've always been much better at, if somebody's coming at me, uh, my instinct is not, you know, I'm not good with boundary. I have not historically been good with boundaries. Um, if somebody mistreated, um, well, I avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, but just not, not good at kind of not good at protecting myself, but if somebody, and this is, this happened a number of times, if somebody mistreated one of my employees or Leon, my dog, it's like, I would turn into a roaring lion. Like I have yelled at people and, you know, demanded that, you know, how dare you speak to her like that? Get out, you know, get the fuck out of here or whatever. I would, I've screamed at people in the restaurant to get the fuck out. And like, how dare you, you know, say that to one of my hosts and, and, so on behalf of somebody else, I can turn into, uh, you know, like this mama bear defender, but what about your behalf- mother when, what, what about your mother when, so I, I, I saw in the documentary that he was this, what's his name again, the man, sorry. <laughs> well, it, his real name is Anthony Strangest and, um, in my book, so I'm, I'm working, I'm almost done with the book, but I call him Mr. Fox. So Mr. Fox. You did not find out until the very end that he was taking money from your mother. I think, yeah. So I, I was in, um, I was in the Tennessee jail talking to my sister uh, when I found out, you know, how much he had taken from my mom. So I, I mean, I think I, you know, to be to be completely forthright, I think I knew that he must have. I knew that he must have been. I knew that he was kind of getting money. Like sometimes he would, uh, you know, have her have me send money to her and then she would give it to him. And so I kind of, you know, I think I, I knew at times that she had given him money and then, you know, I thought he gave it back to her or, um, you know, and I, and I think I knew that he must've taken some from her, but you know, when I, when I heard the amount, it was like, one, it was just one of those many moments that I had where I just, you know, fantasized a meteor hitting the earth exactly where I was at that moment. Cause I just wanted to like, you know, curl up and die. Because I would um, say that's the line. If you had any idea that his he was he was manipulating your mother, that I would think you would kill him. Like I would think you would grab him by the jugular, like go for the jugular. How much did he take from your mom, and how much from you? What's the grand tally? Um, I think I believe from my mother he got over four hundred, roughly four hundred fifty grand, which you know she didn't have. My mom's, and she you know runs a business, so. Um, that put her in a really compromised position, um, which has been among the worst parts of this, the aftermath. Um, you know, it's one thing if he only took from me and I was the only one that was harmed, but all the other people being harmed is what's most difficult to deal with. And then for me, um, I don't know that I ever did like a precise total. Cause it's also a lot of it was in cash and, mm-hmm. um, not a lot, but some of it, but anyway, I think it was, you know, it was over, um, over $2 million Jesus that he got Christ. from me. Yeah. And I, you know, I was in, I mean, part of what made me feel held back when he came and found me was, um, 
you know, that after my relationship with Matthew, I was in a lot of debt from that. And I carried that and it was this kind of, it was a big weight and it was, you know, and then I had, you know, effectively bought the restaurant from Jeffrey Trotter for a note. So I owed that money. So I just felt sort of, I had been saddled with debt and it's something hit me the other day where I realized that it's been 20 years that I've been a human being with like unwieldy, unmanageable, uh, large amounts of debt on my head. It's been 20 years. And I feel like a lot of, yeah. What is it now? What is the debt now? Um, I think I said at the end of the, the film, um, and then people acted like I didn't care because I laughed, but I, I, but I laughed because when I, I sat down and did a rough total with a friend of mine, the number that I came to was so large that it just seemed like, you know I mean? It was like, it, it, it made me laugh in a like, holy shit kind of a way. Right. Um, but it's, uh, it's, you know, between four and 6 million. Okay. Probably closer so, to four, but, but, you know, again, I don't necessarily know because there's, you know, in some, some places that, you know, who knows interest and penalties and, and then there are some people, you know, I've heard from some people who said like, you know, oh, I've written it off. Don't worry. But so I don't know the exact total, but it's something that I have to, um, I will, you know, I sort of fantasize about the day that it's completely paid and done. I, I get um, it. Um, so the employee, there's a lot to go through. So that's why I'm like, uh, I, I want to make sure to try to get to a lot of it. Many people listening may not even realize that you were uh, in a relationship with a man who just kept like, like the Tinder swindler times 10 kept asking for more and more money and you got deeper and deeper. So I just want people to like, sort of, a lot of people know the story, but maybe a lot don't. So what about the employees? Now that's, that's a big hot ticket item. The employees who you seem to have a great relationship with, they were skeptical mm-hmm. of this relationship with uh, this fo- this Mr. Fox, and then you owed them. What did you What did you owe the employees when you you ran and they were all picketing outside the restaurant? Like, what's the actual number in totality? So here's where you know, and we'll it, get into the whole Netflix thing too. You could talk about it now, but I'm saying we're going to get into everything and the inaccuracies if there are. Well, right. And so among them is like, I didn't run. And also okay. they, they, they were, um, they were paid. And then I, I, he took me away and then they were not paid and therefore owed money. So it's not like I didn't pay them and then ran. Okay. So what do you mean? What does that me mean? Away. So- but what does that mean? He took you away. You, you went away. I'm saying like, you're saying like in the cult mentality, you just were brainwashed and went like you did go away from your, this is now getting interesting because the cult people go there and live there and they're living that world. And in many cases they're farming and having sex with each other. And like, it's one like world. You still have a business that you're running with people that aren't in this cult. And so like you are like still living in the, the world of having yeah, your own apartment. So, so now you're like leaving the people that work for you that you're paying in a transactional business way and going off, he took you. So that's where it gets strange and different. So I wanna really understand what that part means because you're leaving people. But then what do you mean? What would uh, the, the, the shows, movie shows that they're picketing while you're gone or something. So can you explain what happened financially with these employees? Well, you know, I only found out after the fact, but um... Um, what, what, is that, mean, what does that mean? Meaning like when I was arrested in Tennessee, when I 
when I first spoke to somebody, anybody, my sister, whoever it was that I first spoke to from there, um, she could have told me that the restaurant was still open because somebody had kind of stepped in and taken over and, and it was still running for all I knew. And so the entire, but who, whatever. No, it was but almost, I literally don't understand who would have said, isn't it your restaurant? Yes, but I mean, theoretically somebody, I, I don't know. Again, I just, it's hard to explain. It's like somebody taking me and putting me in a quasi coma for nine months. Right, you know? but you can't say someone could have cut, like no one can come in here and do this podcast for me today because I've like decided to go somewhere. Even if I'm in a coma, I'm just saying like that thought of someone could come in, like it is your restaurant that you owe Jeffrey Chatterer money for. And I'm not really, I swear right, I'm not. But, but maybe like, he could have, you know, theoretically, I suppose, I mean, in terms of like the, who would have had the legal authority, you know, he probably had the legal authority to come in or somebody, I don't know. No, but I'm there's no saying, conversation. Like someone could have the legal authority to come in, but like there needs to be a conversation. It's a restaurant with like raw food recipes. Like someone can't just show up and start making zucchini lasagna with dehydrated, you know, and and cashew like cheese. Like it's well, like no, gotta, I mean, the, so what the was being, the conversation when you're leaving? Like, isn't it like I'm leaving my raw food restaurant? So Jeffrey, so like you just walked out of there, and like the employees can't run a restaurant. My employees can't run my business. Oh, mine could have. They 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 could have. This is where you know, part of the reason why I feel so close to people who've been in cults is because, you know, when I say things that might sound kind of crazy or hard to understand to other people, um, the sort of former cult people get it. So when he told me that, like, to think of it as if time stopped and we were just sort of like, you know, we had to, we had to step away. We had to take, we had to walk away and like be in this altered, like, um, universe. Basically. Yeah. So it was like as if, as if it wasn't real in a way, and I and that sounds bonkers, but you know, there was a moment. Um, a, a guy that I know who was in the Moonies and has since become a psychologist and gone on to write really helpful books about cult psychology. Um, and talking about his experience on the Leah Remin on Leah Remini's show, he said at one point, he said if they had told me to kill somebody, I would have, and oh, you know, okay. I, I wouldn't have, you know. I, I wouldn't have killed somebody. I could, I'm pretty sure I could say that I wouldn't have killed somebody, but I, I understood the, you know, that was painful to hear painful, but also it's so tragic. It was tragic to hear because I understood that I understood how it could get to that point. Wow. And so, um, and so his taking me away and, and telling me that basically it's to think of it as if time like as if the rest of the world time stopped and we were like slipping into an alternate, like, you know, some sort of parallel universe. You know, I think I just, you know, I don't know. It's as if like I was some sort of subdued animal that just became, um, you know, somebody who he could do this to. And, you know, when I, when I talk about that time away, sort of in shorthand, I just, you know, it's like I refer to it as like the road trip from hell because, um, I, you know, it's it's been sort of painful for it to be depicted in, you know, originally in the sort of tabloidy media and whatnot, as if like we ran off and, you know, we're, and we're staying like in nice hotels. Like, right. Yeah, and like living the high life and being, and, 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 and the reality was so wildly, wildly different from that. The reality was more like those videos that he had taken of me. Well, that's um, okay. So I have a couple of questions about that. So now you're away. So can you just tell me the number with the employees and where the money 
went and where that is now and what their what they all feel about it and what they all think about this whole thing that they've been through well the other it was it was my impression and i i thought that i was told that the end of the the film was going to state that they'd all been paid because okay. they'd been paid they were paid in um or the amount that they were owed was paid in 2020 by you um yes yeah, so so normally you know one doesn't the thing about documentaries which i think uh, I think there needs to be like a new category because I, you know, I say that the bad vegans like should not be called a documentary, but normally people don't get paid. So um, on the one hand, you know, people were assuming that I must have been paid millions of dollars. I was not, but okay. I was given an, uh, an amount that covered what the employees were owed. And so, you know, when, when that sort of went through, because I, I agreed to participate, but I wanted that amount, that amount that they were owed to get paid. Is that why you did it? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I thought it was going to, I wanted it to be something that would be useful and helpful. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to do, I wanted to tell the story. Um, but I also, you know, but I also wanted my employees paid. So I, I worked that out as part of the deal. So they were paid in uh, March of 2020 and it like just so happened that the wire situation went through the day that New York City restaurants were shut down because of the pandemic. Um, so I felt like that was a good day for a lot of them who were probably still in the restaurant business to get kind of word that like, you know, the money's there, they can, whatever they were owed. Um, and what have they said? Where are they with it now? Do you talk to any of them? Like, is it clean? I do, not- I talk to a lot of them. Um, okay. I mean, with, all of the ones that I talked to, in particular, the ones who were there for a long time, who knew me really well. And I think they knew, you know, they knew me really well, as did a lot of customers and sort of followers, knew me well enough to know that that business was my whole life. You know, that brand was like my mm-hmm. identity. It was very So good. they knew that, that like, they knew that something terrible happened, not that I would have destroyed it because that didn't make any sense. And it was a valuable brand and we had so many opportunities. So the idea that I would have willingly destroyed it made no sense. Right. So even if they didn't, you know, even if they didn't understand what had happened, they knew that like something terrible happened. And that was the something case. Something drastic had them. to happen. And so even, I mean, it was painful to see, like really painful to see those picketing images. But I understood, to me, I kind of almost thought of it as like, as if, because I, I had an almost maternal relationship with all of them in some ways, I felt very protective of them. And so it was as if like mom, you know, got this boyfriend that she then went off the deep end with and abandoned them. And mm-hmm. so um, of course they were angry, but you know, some of the people in those photos, um, you know, it happened, I think a couple of times that I ran into people just on the street in New York. And it was like, we immediately fall into a hug and I, and, and I start crying. Wow. Mother's Day is May 12th and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and 
Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Imagine the feeling of pulsing electric shocks. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. Um, so what about, where is he now? What happened? Did he respond? Did he try to sue? Did What is he? W- where did that guy go and what happened to him? Um, there is an article written about where he is now, which um, he's in uh, somewhere outside of LA, apparently, which is, you know, good for me that he's on another coast. Right. Um, and I had followed, I, you know, I used to look periodically every few weeks um, before on Twitter, just to kind of, you know, because when somebody like that is out there, you would rather keep tabs on him, which is kind of part of the reason why I was in touch with him in the first place. It's like, you'd rather know where they are than worry that they're going to, you know, so I would, I would kind of periodically look at his Twitter and I did see, and then he got booted off of Twitter. Um, I don't know why, but I can imagine he said something, whatever, but, um, before that, I saw from some of the pictures and what, like I knew he had gone to LA. Um, but as or a the functioning Coast, individual, like as a, as what name? As a he'll never you know, be a functioning jail. individual. No, no, I mean, uh, I mean, as the as pretending he's. I'm just saying he's not. He's not been arrested. It's like the Tinder swindler who's just living his life and no problem. Well, we were both arrested in Tennessee. Oh, right. That's right. That's right. right. And then right. what happened was I got out on bail. He didn't, so he stayed. Uh, he stayed at Rikers for a year okay. and then I got, I got out on bail, you know, fought my case, which was kind of pointless. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to go to trial because I didn't have the stomach or the funds for that. So I did what a lot of people do and just, you know, take, take the plea. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, the sort of sickening thing was that I had to go serve um, my months at Rikers, I call it my summer on the island, um, after he was released. So I was locked up while he was out free. You know, now he's out free, clean slate, and I had to clean, go. What does that mean, clean slate? He still has a well, massive, clean right? slate for him because I mean, clean slate for him because he's not saddled with the debt. Even though technically, um, I think we're jointly responsible for uh, like roughly eight hundred and fifty thousand. But you know, he's one of those people that he's never going to pay a dime, and he doesn't give a shit. So I will because I give a shit, and I'll figure out a way to, you know, I'll figure out some way down, the, you know, to to make that happen. So. Um, wow. And it's your opinion that the yeah, money's he, gone, that it's gambled, that he's a gambler. And you didn't even realize what a gambler he was. Right. And he didn't act like he didn't he didn't act like I don't think he's a typical gambling addict. I think he's like more of the sociopathic variety where they kind of don't really care. They like the risk and the stimulation. And so it makes sense that he gambled, but not in a way that it's different than a typical, um, like when a normal person has a gambling addiction, it's like this tragic, it's very tragic because it's, um, you know, cause they're just, they're destroying their lives and they're like losing money and they feel guilt and shame and la la la. He didn't, none of that. Because it's not his own money. Maybe there's a difference in the emotional way you feel when it's not your own money. And it's just, you're playing with the house's money. You're literally well, taking other people's somebody money. like him. For me, if I was like investing money on behalf of other people and I lost it, I'd feel worse than I would. Oh, if no, I no, no, no. Money. I'm so, saying for someone right. who's stealing. Right. Okay. That's an interesting right. Well, for somebody too. who doesn't have a conscience, you yeah. know, it's just sort of like life is a game and destroying Action. and controlling people is fun. And, um, you know, and that's sort of the point because people also have asked me a lot, um, you know, we were in this really strange town in Tennessee and people are like, well, what were you doing there? And I'm like, I don't know. Well, what was the plan? If you hadn't been arrested, like, what was the plan? I'm like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, I didn't know if he had any money in the end. I didn't know if he ran out of money. I didn't know if he, maybe he got us arrested intentionally, which is, I know sounds weird, but I think that might've been the case. Um, so uh, there, there's a lot of unanswered questions, but they make more sense in the context of him being um, the type of person that he is without, without a conscience. And so for Were him- Were you I ever in like, love with him? I don't think so. I think that I maybe thought that I was, or um, uh, it was more, it wasn't love. It was like this sort of sickening attachment. But kind of like still, what I described ever, before. Do you ever feel anything towards him in your mind? Like, because it's in your body having nothing to do with logic, like you were, like if you were in a cult, I wonder if you still, do you still, like if you saw him, would he have the potential to make you feel weak again in some way, do you think? Does he um, have that hold on you in some weird sick way? Um, I would be, well, I would be afraid to see him, but I would feel like now, I mean, I would feel strong enough that I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, he has this intense way of looking. I'm aware that he could say anything in, you know, he could say all kinds of things. And, you know, I wouldn't believe him unless he like sprouted wings and, you know, floated up in the air and turned into a, you know, shape shifted into some other, like, basically I wouldn't believe anything. Um, Even so though you I, probably I, didn't before too, though, it's different. Like you don't believe them, but your body's believing them like you don't believe them but you're still going in that direction did you what's your relationship like with your parents now um 
it's fine. It's good. I mean, my, you know, my, my two, my parents are both, you know, they're very kind of down to earth, non-judgmental people. And, um, and it's to the extent that it's, it's not strained with my mother, but I, I feel it's upsetting that I, I sort of feel kind of queasy around her, not around her because of her, but because of the guilt that I feel like, mm. it, like all of that was my fault. And so the extent to which she's, you know, still working and not retired or, oh, God. you know, I feel so, like that's my fault. So there's so an I underlying feel, tension, an underlying also, self-consciousness. Yeah. And we even, um, just the other day it came up that there was something she wanted to ask me about. So we agreed we'd talk about it, but it's, we haven't talked about all of it in as much detail as one would think. I think in part because we both find it kind of nauseating and like, you don't, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't, you don't really want to go there. So there's even things where in writing my book, I'm, I'm sort of like, well, I wonder, you know, I have questions that I want to ask her, but then I don't even like, but I don't want to, I don't want to put her in the position of having to go back there and remember. So I'm just like, well, I just won't get the answer to that question. You know what I mean? It's so that that's, that's, no, I do. I'm just, my gut is saying to me, that's an interesting dynamic in your household that it's sort of like, let's just brush it under the rug and act like it didn't happen where it could be healing, but also maybe there's something to that dynamic that gravitated both of you towards this type of person that you both I don't want to say fell for because you both got brainwashed, but there's a certain personality type I'm sure people target. And I just think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Maybe you both should probably address it and start being the active participants versus the, the people that things happen to. I just, I, I'm not a shrink. I just, that's the first thing that came to mind. Like you should just, you, you, you fucked up and you put her in a position and you were brainwashed and then she was brainwashed. It's a shitty situation. You feel guilty. You might as well just bring it out, not on Thanksgiving dinner, but I feel like you should probably just like lay it out. I mean, it's not like we don't talk about it at all, but it's just that, you know, like is, money's not that... everything, but this could, this toxic, this toxin could probably, it, it, it is bad, is worse than losing money, I would say. So that's just my, that's my unsolicited opinion. You could throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Um, and, and things with my father are also fine. He, um, he insisted on visiting me a lot when I was at Rikers, which I kept telling him he didn't need to do because it's, it's not like you just show up and, Hey, I'm here and visit somebody. Right. It's like a huge, huge ordeal. And, um, he's, 83 now wow he's in really good shape but he came I think he came like four times wow um to see me which he insisted on doing so um and what was that experience like I that the, being in jail I mean it was Pretty. it's, it's my, my book doesn't even go there I'll have to write another because I don't have time to get into that but it was its own um incredibly interesting experience that on the other side of it I feel like I'm I'm really grateful for being exposed to things that um, fall into that category of things that make you a more compassionate person. Um, I mean, and, were you terrified and was it not as bad as you thought? Like what, I don't even mean, I just, yeah, just were you terrified? And, and what was it, what was it, was it, was it a learning experience? Not just that you don't want to go back there, but just, was there anything positive about being in prison? Um, I think positive and, and I mean, it was an amount of time that was, 
it, it was a bummer, but it wasn't like years. So it, it, it's not, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are falsely accused and convicted and go away for sometimes life and or even five years, 10 years, that's all hideously awful. So, you know, a summer effectively is not the end of the world. Um, but it still sucks. And um, yeah. <laughs> it still sucks. It's still scary. Um, I think in the film, they ask, um, the director asked my father if he was worried about me going to Rikers. And my father said, no, I knew she could handle herself, um, which made me, I mean, it's, some people thought that would upset me, but it actually made me feel good um, that he like had confidence that I would be able to handle myself. Um, and I did. And towards, you know, the more, the longer I was there, the more comfortable I got. So um, how long I also, was it? Um, well, the sentence was four months, but I'd already served roughly two weeks or 20 days when I was first arrested before I was out on bail. So when I went back to do the remainder of the four months, it was like three and a half months. That's still, um, that's, that's some time. And yeah, yeah, it was the summer, summer of 2017. So I served, was your camp. You know, some, pe some people summered at the Hamptons. I yeah. summered at Rikers. You summered at um, Rikers. Interesting. That's what, crazy. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's, well, there's a lot of, um, a lot of crazy stuff happens there and there's a lot of stuff to see just about humanity in general but um but yeah I mean it's something I could I could write a separate book about just that part of it yeah did you keep in touch with anybody from prison did you meet any interesting people there like did you learn something were they hard on you or just was it just just a crappy lodging experience with some discipline um I, you know I learned a lot um even now, I think I have, you know, I've, I haven't flown in a long time since before COVID. And so I was going through the security line and the way that uh, they were sort of particularly grumpy TSA, you know, sometimes they're like happy and yeah, cheery and yeah. sometimes they're really grumpy and you're like mm -hmm. afraid to like, oh my God, I'm going to like, I'm supposed to take my laptop out and I didn't yeah. and they're going to yell at me. And then you have to take your shoes off and you have to walk through the security thing and all of it, all of a sudden, and kind of the way they're dressed, all of a sudden I was like reminding me of being in jail. And I got through security and like burst into tears. And I was like, whoa, I guess that, I guess that still affects me in some way. Huh. Um, I was, was not expecting. So there is, there is a, um, um, you know, there's something inherently sort of traumatic about being locked up. Um, but, but also there were things about it that, I mean, I, I read, 50 plus books. I got a bajillion letters from people that were incredibly kind and lovely. I got tons of letters. People mailed me loads of books. Um, and the longer I was there, the more confident I got in terms of, I just handled myself in a way that was very not, I was able to like avoid any confrontation. So if somebody tried to engage me and get in a fight or start something, I was just like, you couldn't it was like trying to fight a noodle. Like I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I just wouldn't react. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think the, uh, you know, the people that I was in the dorm, cause I was in a dorm with 50 other women and a lot of that, the population in there is constantly rotating. Mm -hmm. So there are always new people coming in, but the people that were there the longest um, and the ones who sort of like ruled, you know, there's always like, yeah. these like group dynamics is always like the ones that are in charge that everybody's afraid of. I had a good relationship with them. And um, yeah, so nobody, nobody really messed with me. Um, wow. Okay. Well, that's nice and lucky and a good story because I wouldn't, it's all the movies for us. I think it happened. It's, it's really a big, it happened. Like 
you have a reason to feel guilty. You have a reason to self-loathe. You have a reason to be self-conscious. You have a reason for all these things you've just said. But you need to fucking put that away now into a box. You could write a letter to all the 10 people, the Jeffrey Chad or everybody, and you need to seal that up with a key. And you need to go to work and make money and start paying these people back. Like, it, I understand you're upset and you should be. But like, if you, if we think about what's going wrong, if I think about all the things that are going wrong, I can't do it. Like, and I'm pretty successful and I make a lot of money and I, I but like, I go. So you have to like, just cause I'm, you gotta like become a little bit cold now. And it happened. I'm sorry to everybody. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry. And now you have to pull yourself up from your bootstraps and start really making money because then this can have a happy ending. Like this can well, have I think a happy that, ending. Yeah, I mean, I, I think strong. so too. I actually I actually believe that. And I think, um, you know, it's not like I'm sitting here alone eating bonbons and no, crying all day it. at all. So, I, and I think that, you know, what you said about putting it out of the box, um, some people have said, you know, why would you, you know, why would you put yourself writing through the book? That must be so hard. And for me, I feel like that has been a necessary process yes. to go through it, you know, put myself through having to read all this stuff, having to be really honest and, you know, writing, writing the story, writing my feelings, writing, importantly, writing as much as I, as much as I can figure out and um, be insightful about how it happened. Hopefully when other people read it, it will help them avoid stepping into the same thing. So once I'm done writing that, it's like, then I feel like, that that's an, that's done and now I can kind of now I can move on from sort of trying to look at it and analyze it and that will be a big relief um when that's done and I can kind of focus exclusively on other things and I am focusing on other things and I have you know some things that are in the works that will hopefully um you know help me enable me to be able to go on and and do some useful productive things yeah, um, like like document, I'm going to make $4 million. This is it. I'm starting my journey right now. I'm going to make $4 million, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm bartending. I'm an assistant. I'm dancing by the airport. Whatever you decide, you go, and you're like, and then you show everybody. I, got, I, 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 I made a mistake. I'm going to pay my mother back. I'm going to pay Jeffrey back, and I'm going for it. It would just, I feel like it would be like, you survived Rikers, so like, you you don't think about the debt, don't think about the past. I can make four million dollars, so you can make four million dollars. So that's what I that's my I've been very unsolicited in my opinions, and I don't believe in them. So you can throw it all away. I just I don't know why this just because I know all the people and because I saw it and I don't know and it just provoked me. So I wanted to sort of talk to you and like the people. My fans were very invested in this too. So I feel like uh, I'm trying to you know get for them too, not just to talk to you about. Yeah. And, and I think there's a, you know, going forward, there's a, um, you know, I think there will always be a balance of, um, I think I'll always, I'll always talk about it to the extent that I feel like it's useful. Uh, and in particular, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of the sort of vitriol that's come at me and, and people, you know, yelling at me that it's my fault and I'm a criminal and this, I've heard from so many, mostly women, but some men, but mostly women who, will write me private messages that are absolutely heartbreaking. And um, I feel like because I have this, because it, what's happened to me is very public and I have a platform that I feel, um, I feel responsible. Like, I feel like I wanna speak out for them because they don't have a platform. They can't talk about it. And they always said, you know, what, they, what I hear over and over and over again is, um, 
you know, watching your story, now I feel less alone or, you know, and I get what, that, happened, what happened to me? Like nobody under, I get that. That's 50% of the equation. It's jumping off the page for me, the four to $6 million, your mom, it's just jumping off mm -hmm. the page. I get that you're helping other people. You're paying for, that's a touching story. And it is. And there are other people saying that story too, in the world, the people, the victims of the Tinder swindler and the documentary showed it too. I think it should be doing that and check that box and figuring out a way to pay the pay. Like I owe nobody anything and that would suffocate me. And that should be your main focus, not just helping it, it other is... people that it could happen, but that should be the main focus. Just as, like, I'm so unsolicited. I totally apologize. And I'm not coming. I'm really not, I'm just, passionate about this i don't know why Do you know um that reminds me of um because i mean yeah i'm it is absolutely suffocating and so you know getting out from under that is is my main uh um, yeah is my yeah. main priority um but i did i think you asked me in the beginning you know what i know and i've never watched um i've never watched real housewives because i can't like people fighting makes me upset i can't, <laughs> I can't watch stuff like that but i did years ago when um when bethany was on i i and i don't watch a lot of tv but i i got like sucked in and i watched all of that and i'll never forget one a couple parts that was but one part um when it was right when you sold your business and um he sometimes i feel like you don't want to name certain people right. but yeah he said to you um he said to you and in the moment i think i started to cry but he said to you uh something like now you can be selective about what you want to do. And I was like, oh, that's what I want so badly. I want to yes. be able to be selective about what I want to do. I don't want to have to do something for money. I don't want to owe somebody. I don't want to have to do something because I feel like I owe them. I don't want to have to do, I want to do good work and I want to do it in an uncompromised way with integrity. And I want to, you know, I want to do all these things. And that that's what I wanted so badly. So I remember that moment, um, you know, that moment just stuck in my head when he said that I was like, oh, that's, that's what I want. I just want to be able to, you know, move forward and grow this brand in a way that, um, well, in a way still that, you young know, and judge Judy said you could be, you know, any age, 40, 50, 60 and be an entrepreneur. And I didn't, I wasn't, didn't become really successful until my late thirties. My whole, my book business is personal is out now. And it's all about this stuff and how the mistakes become, uh, successes. This is a big, big fucking mistake. So it's going to be a hole to dig out. But because you do have a platform, not just about, not only about helping people this has happened to, which is important, and going back and backtracking all that happened psychologically and emotionally while you have to do that, you don't have the luxury of just doing that. You have to get get a plan, get on the road and start. It will be empowering the minute you get the momentum of starting to make money and, and, and this debt will, 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 you'll get unleashed. So that's gotta be, that has to be a major shift. Like, I know that you're thinking about it and it's plaguing you, but it's like, it's plaguing you. You need to be tackling it. Like it needs to be your bitch now. That debt is, you're the bitch of that debt now. And you need to make that debt your bitch. That's the difference. I'm, yes, about the 50% about what's happened and the, your mother and the emotions and survivors and all of that's great. But this debt, you need to make your bitch is all I'm saying. Like starting now. I'm just, I've never been like this on this podcast to anyone. So I know that it's right because I can't stop saying it. So I'm going to stop saying it. But I'm just telling you, you need to become a badass now. You're a victim and you need to become a badass. You were a victim. So that's, that's just, 
I don't want you to throw this advice away. I'm not going to say that again because I don't think you should. So anyway, um, Alec Baldwin came up in this whole thing, which is funny. And he's been through his mm -hmm. own shit storm. Has he surfaced in any of this or did he have any reaction to any of this? Or is he just an, an anecdotal piece of this? Um, well, we have spoken and um, I think that, you know, like everybody on the other side of it, he was probably, you know, like what the hell happened? And embarrassingly, um, I think I mentioned earlier when I got, when I got out, um, when I got out on bail and I got back into my email, because I had been, you know, Mr. Fox had controlled my email that year that we were away. And I, so I, and I didn't have the password. So I had to like go through, jump through hoops with Google to like get back into my old email. Mm -hmm. And when I got in there, um, I saw that he deleted all of our correspondence um, between me and him. And then there was this moment where I was like, huh. And then I clicked into the sent folder and that more than any other moment, I think that's when I wanted the meteor to hit me and I like I just was like oh my god oh my god I was reading these emails that he sent to people as me oh wanting god. to wanting to just die and so Alec was one of those people that he'd written to you know he also wrote to my little brother he wrote back to people in my family he wrote back to oh my god he was like begging people for money as me and I'm going I'm like <gasps> did oh he ask my Alec Baldwin god. for money oh yeah and 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 like put, oh. and then and, and in one of Alex's replies, he, he says something that's the equivalent of like, you don't sound like you, you know, like what? Like he, so, but the thing is, nobody really thinks like, no, if you can, you know, someone's somebody, taken you over. Think, no, no. Right. Yeah. That doesn't occur to you. No. So, and I think that, and that's why when it was like, I couldn't, to me, I felt like, God, I feel so stupid, like oh trying to reach God. out to people and saying that wasn't me. But if anybody, if I could like open up my, that email and show people like, here's all the emails. And if you see them all together, because in some cases people would say to me, okay, well, you need to call me and we'll talk about it. And then that thread would drop. And then they'd be like, I don't understand why right. can't you call me? Um, you know, so, and then there were emails there to Jeffrey Chattero, Um, And that was just like, that just made me feel so sick to my stomach. Um, and, and he had written say anything now like have they because this is a little bit of vindication at least they got those emails at least you have a little bit of vindication have any have you spoken to jeffrey or alec i've met alec i know yep. jeffrey you have yeah i'm on i mean i'm on good terms with most everybody there are some people i haven't spoken to um and again it's like what you're saying so you know to to go back and reach out to some of these people it's it's draining it's mm -hmm. time consuming yes and and people have said, well, why don't you reach out to this person? And it's like, well, if I did that, that's all I'm doing. I want to focus on moving forward because I want to importantly repay all this. I want to get out and I want to re I'd rather focus on repaying, you know, Actions whatever. Actions speak Joe, louder than words. You'd rather then, just do it. You don't need to talk right, to Right. Then like spending it. like an entire day with just, you know, emotionally draining hours talking to somebody who may or may not understand and so I'm sort of, you know, for any of those out there who have not heard from me, who might be wondering, like, why the hell hasn't she reached out? It's like, I want to, and then I'll, but like, I, I just want to, I just want to find a way to repay everybody. I just want to get the money back and repay. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather reach out and go, hey, you know, what are your wiring instructions? Because I want to give you some money right. back. And by the way, let's right. talk about what happened. You know, I don't, I just, right. I'd rather be in a position of being able to repay them and, and then talk about it. Um, I actually, and, and like, yeah, like I, I said, mean, because it's so draining. 
Yeah, I get it. I mean, you know, how people say in AA, like you have to apologize to everybody and you could do that, I guess, in your own way. But I, I, I would agree that it's more important for the actions to happen, which is good. And mm-hmm. then I guess, I don't know. I mean, I, I first of all, I thank you for talking to me. Um, I know I have an aggressive personality, so by no means do I want you to think that I was like coming at you or I have some angle or I thought it was something. I literally just wanted to talk to you about it because I just felt like I was gravitating towards the topic and the situation. And it's a mixed bag of craziness. And, and, um, and I just thought that, I don't know, people could learn from it, that we could just have an honest conversation. So I, I really yeah. am grateful. And I, I think the other, the other part of it that's useful in talking oh, we about, didn't talk it about is that, sorry, is that it, it can, um, like it can help people recognize if it might be happening to their sister or their friend. Yes. And so it's like the more people understand this type of a thing and the more people understand um, like sociopathy and what that means and that it's a thing. And I hope that people start to understand it better. But then I also I hope it doesn't become one of those overused terms the way that like people kind of overuse gaslighting now. Oh, I know what you're saying. Well, by the way, it so is important. Like- yes. And you've talked about. Well, I've experienced psychological and verbal mm-hmm. abuse and emotional abuse and it is they say it's more harmful than physical abuse and i have to say it's traumatizing and it stays in your body for a long time and you have like a shock reflex to things that aren't normal to have a shock reflex to i have been called every ugly name in the world i have been told i'm garbage i have been told things that that i believed and thought like this is crazy or just, just, just reacted in a way because someone was control. So controlling. So Mm -hmm. I, I understand how someone can really fuck with you. If someone's entire life, if their goal is to fuck with you, they can do a lot. If they're good at it, if they're good at it, they can do it. And I've heard from women who I heard from one woman who said she has a PhD in clinical psychology and she was manipulated to the extent that she didn't know which way was up. Um, I've heard from people who, you know, are powerful attorneys who've been manipulated. I mean, just it, it, it happens to a lot of, you know, intelligent and strong women. So happens a lot to women when they're the more power, the power figure or the moneyed spouse. Well, because a man wants to get the control. Well, right. And for people who do this, it's like what they're getting out of it is taking you down, you know? So the more successful you are, or the more you've accomplished, the more, the more they want to destroy you because that's, that's the goal of it. The goal wasn't for him to take money from me because then he would have taken it and hopped on a plane to Mexico and nobody would have bothered to go after him because who cares? But that wasn't his goal. His goal was, it appears the only thing that makes sense was to not only destroy me, but in a way that like to burn all the bridges and to make it maximally hard for me to, to turn around and make a comeback. So, I've had the same. You know, I've had I've been threatened. I'm going to ruin your life and ruin your career. Yep. Like I, I've literally and and worked really hard to do that. And when one per and it's hard to describe that to other people because this one person has a goal and you're if they have a anybody can. It's really amazing. A small gnat buzzing in your ear constantly could drive you yep. insane. Could destroy your life. Like so. It's and it takes a strong constitution to overcome that and to battle that and beat that down, which I have done, but I really do. I do understand firsthand what stalking harassment being emotionally abused is like, and I haven't been that vocal about it specifically for many reasons, but I, 
really understand it. Um, and that probably mm -hmm. is also why this was something that attracted me to talk about with you. So ne mm -hmm. the Netflix piece. So you feel that it wasn't, that it was not fairly portrayed or that there were like little cute nuances that are manipulative to the audience and you've had to like stand up and, and clarify things because it's just frustrating. Um, so it seems like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and for anyone, for anyone who's interested, I wrote a very, I wrote a long detailed, like point by point um, here. And I haven't even rewatched it. So I think if I, once I kind of get the strength to sit down and rewatch it, I'll probably see a lot of other things, but it's not that I'm, you know, I figured, of course, it's a crazy story that I didn't even understand, especially when I did those interviews, because it was kind of early on. So I figured, you know, sure, certainly they'll get some things wrong, but I didn't, Think it would be intentional and i think it's very clear from the things that were um certain editorial choices that were made that it was deliberate and so that's what i i wrote about on my website kind of point by point um and which ones and, really matter because i got well, the gist of the whole story i think you're very I mean, in it and so i want to hear what really really matters um you know like we I think that, well, the big one is the call at the end, because I think, you know, you said that you understood it to be sort of a something that the director did, or it, you understood that it was sort of there for some reason, but you didn't see it the way some other people came away with it, which seems weird, but a lot of people came away with it, like, like, as if I was in on it, whatever that means all along or something. Cause it sounded awkward. It sounded like a weird reenactment phone call. It sounded strained. It sounded like someone said, call him and you guys were talking and it was weird. Like that's what well, it sounded yeah, like. It was recorded for the film. So, you know, it's not like I was- Yeah, it did not sound, but I don't think that, I mean, maybe people are, everyone could find an answer to picnic, but I mean, I could watch it again. It did not sound like you guys were in cahoots. It sounded a little bit like a either what I just said, or this guy's such a sicko that he still has some sort of hold on him that you still, you know, when you talk to him, you still have a weird feeling that you can't control. I don't mean that you're in love with him, but like, and that like Pavlovian almost, that's the two options that I had in my mind watching it. Not that like you guys were bandits ripping everybody off and they have the money like in Switzerland somewhere. Yeah. Well, a lot that. of people unfortunately thought that, but, um, you know, it, it, it didn't sound like I was very friendly with him, but the, you know, it was like, I was, I was playing a role and it was deliberate because I was trying to get him to talk about things. And it was a, probably like a 40 minute phone call. And so they just played this little part of it where, you know, I'm, I'm deliberately and strategically, you know, having a conversation with him, knowing that I'm talking to a, right. That you know, was a little a weird, crazy but person not. To get, yes. So the reason I'm kind of laughing and casual with him and sort of is, is like, I'm doing that deliberately. And that was, you know, I don't know if that was the beginning. I don't know. I didn't go back to the call to listen to see specifically. I get that. that. I get where or... you're coming from. Cause oh. it seemed like you were a little chubby right. and it was awkward, but I don't think like, I would not like, I would check that box of Netflix as being just like a production thing and being a little cute and editing, but not like crazy. What else did they do? That was egregious. I mean, sort of, but all of it combined. So there are a lot of things before that, that would allow somebody to think that I might've been in on it. So, um, you know, one part is there's a part where I start to talk about, um, like, a, I, it, it's almost like implied sexual abuse, but I, oh. but it, it cuts off where I think in the, in the film, I say something about how he would make me drink wine and then like, you know, do things. And then right. it, it ends there. And, 
I know that that you know somebody who was there and saw the footage said like oh my god that footage is so compelling and I was sort of you know when I first saw the film I was shocked because I I was sure that that was going to be in it because I was told it was incredibly compelling and part of me like my initial reaction was like the part of me was relieved because of course you know it would have been embarrassing and I would be Mm -hmm. like ugly crying on you know and all of that footage where I talk more in detail about that part of what he did was left out of the film um and I think that had it been included then nobody would have been confused at the end and so they're like things like that that had they had they been done differently people wouldn't have been uh, people wouldn't have come away with this sort of controversial because I think all of that stuff was done to create this controversy like did she do it did she not do it oh I understand I understand right and so and also like it it made it well they don't but the truth is they don't know they don't know I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm not like, I don't work for Netflix. No, no, I'm saying- they do know. Oh. And it wasn't, it was Chris Smith, the director more oh. because the, the movie was made and then sold to Netflix. Got it. So, and, and Netflix, their marketing was really, um, really, really grotesque. And oh. again, it's, it's like what I said before, like, I feel really, I feel angry and I feel uh, on behalf of other people who've been psychologically abused. Cause I feel like, you know, they sort of made fun of the whole thing. Oh, you feel and, like you and, went back into another bad relationship with them in the way it was portrayed. Like you just wanted your story to be told in a certain way. Well, anyway, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I appreciate, you know, you coming on here. It's not easy to keep reliving. And um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to get some perspective and I appreciate it. And um, I really wish you the best of luck. I wish you success and freedom and a good relationship with your family about this and just to be able to move forward mm-hmm. while you're still young and healthy and have your whole life ahead of you. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I feel, do feel regardless of what happened, I do feel lucky that, you know, I have a home, I'm healthy. I have my dog, you know, I'm lots of things are fine and, you know, I'm not there, you know, whatever's happening. It's like, I can handle internet the worst is trolls, over. you know, Right. And also, you know, like I'm safe, I'm fine. Everything's good. You know, I'm, I have a home, I have food. It's not, I'm not like in a war zone and whatnot. So I do feel grateful. And I, I feel grateful that I have a platform and opportunities. You know, I know I have all these opportunities. You do. And I know that a lot of women that are yeah. devastated in these types of situations, like don't have any of that or, and they have, you know, they might have children involved, which makes it just exponentially more tragic. So I feel you have a voice. Um, I do feel lucky and optimistic. I've always been optimistic. So I like that. And I love your I want I would I would literally pay a lot of money for those cashews right now. Those raw, spicy, sweet cashews you would. You oh, that's would fine. Everybody, everybody has their favorites. Um, yeah. You know, people I, are always throwing out so many different things. But yeah, and the frozen lot, ice creams. I miss people... all that. So maybe you'll do that again because that is very current yeah, me now. Too. That's very current. That's that's would be way mm-hmm. more lucrative now than even then. It's very current. So, well, I appreciate you, and um, I hope you have a great day. Thank and you. I can't wait to hear what happens next. All right, thank you so much. Awesome. Have a great day. Mother's Day is May twelfth, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Imagine a sharp, stabbing pain on your skin. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful, blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. Wow. So that was an interesting interview. I honestly, it brought up so much for me to talk to Sarma because of that. I know some of the people involved. Uh, so it just was something that I was shocked to find on television that I've experienced some of the things that she's gone through. So that was thought provoking that I'm a business person and that being in debt would just cripple me and it would be just be the only thing I focused on. And I wanted to talk to her, um, just to get an understanding. I didn't even know what I wanted to know. I just was intrigued by this whole topic and I didn't want to badger her, you know, because I don't do that. I don't want to have someone on here so I can just be the superior person and the authority on anything because I'm not. I just wanted to talk to her on behalf of you and the employees and, you know, you're running a restaurant and you leave a restaurant for nine months. You can't leave a business for nine days without like a very serious plan, literally nine days. I can't just leave my business for nine days and have the things run smoothly, like absolute fact. So a restaurant where it's a raw restaurant back in a time when that wasn't even a current thing and people's paychecks and payroll and running a business and taxes and crazy things like that. Like there's no way that Jeffrey Chattero can run someone else's business, even if he's the investor. 
That was the craziest part to me. I just had to understand as a business owner, like you can't walk away from a restaurant for nine months. It must have been a circus in there. I just wish I paid more attention back then. But anyway, she was in some sort of a trance and I never questioned someone's emotional experience and abuse experience. I, you know, I just wanted to get to the bottom of this whole crazy labyrinth and web uh, that was woven. And um, she's got work to do. It's time to get to work. It's great that you're communicating. It's great that you're talking to survivors. It's great that you're getting the message out. It's great that you're helping future victims. You got to help former victims too. So let's get out there, make some money and pay off our debts. That was interesting. And I am grateful to her for coming on because it's not easy to come on and talk when you are a heated person who's been part of a massive scandal. So I give her credit for that. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.